0: Hello and welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is your show at FreightWaves for um, all things related to CPG companies. Those are consumer packaged goods and uh, their supply chains. I am your host, Mike bowden distill of FreightWaves. I'm an analyst and market expert uh, here at Freight Waves. And um, what we're going to be doing today on The Stockout, uh, this has been a busy week of earnings uh, for the CPG companies. So I'll, t- I'll go through... Uh, a few of the the, the trends and, um, and, and sort of themes along those. I'm not going to go through the sort of nitty gritty of numbers. I sort of did that in uh, Stockout Newsletter. Also, plenty of, of, of sell-side research does that. Then I'll discuss uh, really the topic of the hour in freight transportation, which is the arrest of uh, Trevor Milton, uh, founder and former CEO of Nikola Motors. And since this is a uh, CPG focused uh, show I'll try to put that in context of does that mean anything at all for you know shippers that are in the CPG industry you know maybe ones that want to uh, improve the uh, environmental uh, friendliness of their supply chain by using more efficient equipment does that mean anything for uh, more efficient you know operations but um, you know Nicole is one that I followed uh, you know along with the rest of the uh, equipment space, uh, for some time. so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know what's going on there., um, maybe I can add a little bit of a different perspective than you're getting elsewhere, um you know, on Freight waves. I know there's al- already a lot of uh, material out there from Ellen Adler, who probably knows the company who I say does know the company better than anyone else at Freight Waves. Um also heard uh, uh, Zach and um, you know Anthony uh, you know discuss it in uh, the, their their podcast Freightonomics, but you know I can talk about that as well. so, um, you know, get ready for an in-depth uh, you know discussion on uh, Nicola and uh, their uh, situation with their former uh, CEO, uh, Trevor uh, Milton. Um, but first, a word from our sponsor. And our sponsor this week, um, as it was last week, is Nihecks. That's the New York Shipping Exchange. With all the current disruptions happening in container shipping, many shippers are trying to think through how they can best position themselves for long-term access. To capacity. Uh, one of the strategies that's becoming popular is to, so- is to sign multi-year agreements with your carrier partners. NYSEX is hosting an upcoming webinar uh, to describe how you can do that with Lars Jensen, the CEO of Vespucci Maritime, to highlight how shippers are signing multi-year ocean agreements to create an insurance policy for their highest priority lanes. This webinar will take place August 11th at noon Eastern time. Don't miss the webinar if you want new strategies that can help you hedge against continued market challenges. To sign up for the webinar, uh, visit nyshex.com forward slash webinar forward slash multi year ocean contracts uh, with hyphens between the words. So I'll read that again. It's nyshex, forward slash webinar forward slash multi dash year dash ocean contracts forward slash. Um, I also have a link to it in the newsletter. If you're one of the people that is uh, signed up for the Stockout newsletter, which you can get at uh, www.freightwaves.com forward slash the Stockout, um, have about 3,000 people signed up for that um, newsletter. And I have a link right in the middle of the newsletter that went out at about nine o'clock this morning. Uh, so that should make it really easy and not have to make you remember uh, the, the URL that I just uh, read off. Um so with that, uh, I'll get started here um, with uh, discussing CPG companies and their supply chains. and this topic number one is it's been a busy week for CPG uh, results. I thought they were pretty mixed. You know, we were coming off of last week when you know Unilever reported results that disappointed the street. I mean last week Unilever was down about five percent on earnings and that was even before the you know a situation with the uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, pulling. Uh, ice cream from uh, areas that they think uh, should not be occupied by by Israel. I've spent a lot of time, you know, talking about that. But you know, really, sort of thought when when they reported, well, you know, maybe that shocked the market or surprised the market because they were one of the big, you know, first CPG companies to report. And um, you know, some of the others that reported this week, I think, are, are sort of uh, following a similar pattern where you are seeing um, you know, pressure on their on their margins. I think that. Um, you know, one of the big uh, you know things that's happening now is you're really seeing a shift in demand, and you know we've talked at FreightWave sort of uh, you know at length about this shift that took place last year from services to goods. Is it going to shift back from goods to services? What's pretty clear, you know, even absent that, is there's really an intra goods shift where um, you know L'Oreal really is doing well with makeup. And there really is something to L'Oreal's CEO's claim that, you know, we're in for a big makeup party as people, you know, get out of the house and, you know, get dressed nicely. So I heard something similar from Procter & Gamble this morning with, you know, beauty and, you know, various, you know, products, designs to make you look your best, uh, you know, when you go outside. So, so people are certainly buying more of those things, you know, mask mandate uh, by the CDC or mask recommendation by the CDC or not. Um, I think um, a lot of people are, have sort of had it with uh, had it with the masks, had it with, uh, you know, not having their pre-pandemic lives. So so anything related, I think, to you know, presenting yourself to others, maybe for the first time in a long time, um, you know, seems to be doing extremely well, maybe as you would have expected. And then the other sort of demand trend that came out of this week's earnings is, you know, things that you know, were being purchased during the lockdowns, like a lot of these cleaning products have really been suffering. And I know that a lot of the companies like Clorox, you know, Racket, um, you know, et cetera, you know, have been, have been talking about, well, you know, people's cleaning habits have really sort of, you know, changed permanently as a result of the lockdowns. You know, I know, uh, you know, Clorox, you know, increased their you know, production capacity for the Clorox wipes. You know, so, some of those behaviors don't seem to be sticking, at least from my perspective. we saw, you know, heard, uh, you know Reckett reported um, the earnings earlier this week their shares were down 8% which was the biggest drop they've had in one day since 2003 um, so i think some of those uh, you know demand is, is is shifting there and then as far as the company's margins go um, i think the big impact you know that's that's being felt is on uh, you know with, with with inflation and the inflation in, in in various components and you know i've talked about this in length in, in previous uh, you know newsletters and previous you know the stockout shows, but um, you know it's really a situation where these companies are, for the most part, raising prices, um, but raising prices more moderately than they're seeing their their costs inflate. So you're seeing companies like you know Kimberly Clark, Procter Gamble, Unilever. I'll, I'll take prices up, um, but maybe not quite as quickly um, you know as their costs are rising. You you know, heard last week that uh, Unilever was you know, seeing their the market uh, rate for their costs increase sort of mid-high teens. Um, so it's difficult for a company like that, I think, to raise prices that sharply in, in, in one year. Some of those might catch up over time. Um, and, and, and they're having to rely more on, you know, buying better than the market, you know, using their supply chains more efficiently than the market. Um, and it takes some time for their contracts with uh, retailers to roll over. So those are, are repriced. So you, you are seeing a lot of near-term um, you know, pressure on margins. a couple you know companies, a couple few companies have, have, have reduced their margin guidance even from the previous quarter. You know Unilever is talking about their margins, you know, operating margin improving. Now they're talking about it being more flat. You saw a similar you know, decline in margin guidance from, from Reckitt earlier this week. I mean that's a, sort of in that same category of companies that makes um, you know, personal care products and, and those things, which is really the sort of the category of companies that I think is being most impacted specifically by a lot of these inflationary pressures, because some that are um, impacting uh, uh, the company's margins, you know, most acutely are things like plastics and resins. Those find their ways into a lot of consumer packaged goods um, for things that are, uh, you know, products that are absorbent or, you know, th- so things that, um, you know, a lot of what, what say, Kimberly Clark or Procter and Gamble would would make. Um, and then the packaging costs are rising pretty sharply, too. And those products are packaging intensive. And you saw in the last quarter, Unilever said that its packaging costs rose 7% just from the first quarter of the second quarter, while the transportation cost rose about 4% from the first quarter of the second quarter. Um, I did make the argument in a newsletter that I sent out that uh, that 4% increase for, for Unilever from in, in, in freight uh, costs from the first quarter of the second quarter, actually, I think they're doing a little bit better than the market because you look at Uh, van contract rates that we have in sonar and it's been them spent up about six percent so they are doing a little bit better than the market um, but still i think it's a difficult time to be a shipper and the person who's responsible for the transportation spend and having to go to your cfo and say hey you know unfortunately we're we're spending a mid single digit percent uh, higher for freight costs than we were spending just a quarter ago and a lot of those uh, contract rates are renewing higher you know, twenty plus percent higher. You know, our data shows the uh, rates in the second quarter were about twenty four percent higher than they were a year ago. Um, so it's been rising about six percent, you know, each quarter. So it is a, a difficult situation, I think, for a lot of big, you know, shippers. Um, so um, would be sort of mindful of that. And if anyone out there wants us to benchmark what they're doing with their freight costs versus what we're seeing with our data, um, you know, happy to to, to do that. So that was a little bit of an overview of what's happening um, in, in the world of uh, CPG companies, um, and this, I'll get to topic number two, which is uh, the Nicola founder um, you know, Trevor Milton uh, was was arrested um, you know, on, on securities fraud charges, one wire fraud charges. Also, there's a, a lawsuit against them from the Securities Exchange Commission. But you know, I'll give a little bit of background here because I followed this company for you know a few years now, and. Um, this was I'd say the, the biggest you know, news story of the week it was probably the one thing that you know you saw in the news that made you say, wow, you know maybe other than uh, Simone Biles uh, dropping out of those uh, you know, competitions um, was, was was Trevor Milton getting arrested? there was actually a, a rumor that went around that was false about I don't know several months ago that, that he had been arrested when when, when and that was just sort of made up. it sort of made its rounds on social media and we were talking internally do we report there's no it needs to be corroborated. is a corroborated? rate no it's it turns out it's 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 not true so we, we had one of those days um, but uh, you know for, for really you want to be get in depth you know I uh, say follow Alan Adler who is the journalist that covers equipment uh, out of uh, Detroit for freight waves and he knows that uh, Nicola inside and out he's been out to see the company' he's been out to see the equipment they do in fact have a truck that exists um, you know maybe not available for 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 you're going to not, maybe we're not going to see it in the wild, you know, quite yet. But it is out there, um, and so Nikola. This is a company that, um, you know, originally its plan was to manufacture alternative fuel class uh, eight vehicles using a hydrogen electric, um, you know, solution. So they they sort of the original idea was to not have, you know, sort of fully electric vehicles because of the weight of the battery, because of range issues, and you know what you really need for to have a range that's acceptable for heavy-duty trucks. You don't run into those range issues. It's sort of this hydrogen electric model, which was, um, you know, more expensive than electric, but it was supposed to be a superior offering. And, um, you know, they announced a number of partnerships really early on. I mean, they they announced, you know, well before the company went public, an, uh, uh, an agreement with U.S. Express. Um, you know, though, though to hear it from U.S. Express, they sort of maybe took the, 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 the name maybe a little bit too far in terms of, you know, what, what exactly they were doing in terms of endorsing the product. Um, they also struck up a deal very early with Ryder. And so the original idea was um, that, that they were just going to lease these trucks. Um, and so, um, you know, early on, they, they you know, didn't quote any price for the truck because it was, it was strictly something that was going to be available, you know, via, via lease. And um, I remember at the at the time, I want to say 2017 or 2018, I attended a, a conference with um, my last company. Um, that uh, it was the ACT Research you know, Conference. I was an analyst at Stiefel, and I, I uh, you know attended this conference. And they had Nicola's CFO uh, present. And um, it wasn't Trevor; it was their, it was their CFO. And, and even then, I mean, I thought that there were some red flags that came up. During that presentation, and you know, this was to an audience that wasn't necessarily investors. It, you know, there, there were certainly investors in the in the room, but it was a lot of people who participated in the, um, the Class A industry in some way. So, so it could be you know, analyst, consultant, you know, manufacturer, component supplier. It was a lot of component supplier, I, I think, um, and, and so. But basically, the the, the reason that um, you know sort of struck out to me was that I think the company, even in that presentation you know, made certain claims that, you know, raised red flags in terms of what the operating cost difference is between their alternative fuel vehicle and a diesel vehicle. And, you know, they did that by inflating the number of miles that could reasonably be driven by a Class 8 truck. Um, You know, the average Class 8 truck gets driven about 80,000 miles a year. And that's what you sort of get if you look at, the um, the the trucks that are being sold, um, you know, used, you know, and then divide that by a number of, of of years old they were, and you know, Nicola was uh, basically you know putting numbers well into the six figures of how many miles were being driven by um, by a truck. I think they were saying 125, 150,000 miles, something of, of of that nature, and so that you know driving more miles is something that would make an alternative fuel vehicle um, you know look more attractive because the, you have more upfront costs. And you hope to recover those costs each mile because the fueling cost each mile is less than than diesel, and, and so that was one way they were sort of playing, you know, with the numbers. Um, and I think that um, you know the fact that they 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 did not um, have have the, the truck for trade straight sale; it was just part of this leasing agreement. Um, you know, sort of obscured the fact that I thought at the time it looked like it was something close to a half million dollar truck. It did look like it was something that was a multiple of what. You would typically um, you know, see in terms of a, of a cost for a Class Eight uh, truck that's uh, you know, made out of, that's a that's diesel fuel. So there, there were certainly things in that presentation that I thought raised red flags. I remember publishing a, a, a note, um, you know, at the time that was um, you know sort of a, a, you know, skeptical of of of, of Nicola. Might be able to dig that out and 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 read it. Would be interesting to to do. But um, so. You know, fast forward a couple, you know, a few years, and uh, Nicola went public via SPAC, you know, June of last year, and then it was sort of this Wall Street darling, but it was really, you think, weighted towards the um, towards the the individual investors, sort of the Robinhood crowd, um, and it was almost like a meme stock the way that it went up, the way that its valuation, um, you know, rose, and um, you know, even there they uh, they announced all these you know, partnerships, which was always. You know something the company did regularly and there were you know, some agreements where they announced a partnership you know stock would rise and you know with each one i mean we sort of always knew that this company was in the very nascent stages of developing this product of, of having it really be commercially successful um but the fact that they were making uh, you know agreement announcements with big established companies you know sort of lended credibility to uh nicola sort of each step of the way and so the one that sort of capped it off was uh, General Motors. Um, and, you know, that was one where GM took a stake in uh, Nikola um, in, in exchange for, you know, GM manufacturing, you know, certain certain vehicles. And at the, at the time, Nikola was promising um, that they were going to have this Badger, you know, pickup truck. And so it looked like they could potentially be a big player, both in, you know, commercial vehicles as well as, you um, Know, uh, you know, passenger vehicles, you know, sort of sort of consumer vehicles, um, you know, that you know partnership along with you know the rider along with a lot of these others, you know, haven't ha- haven't worked out, and you know the, these companies were initially, I think, you know, attracted to the idea of partnering with Nikola um, because you sort of look at the valuation of uh, companies involved in alternative of, of energy, and they were really sort of off the charts. And you know it's not just just Tesla. I mean, even from my days covering the equipment manufacturers, a lot of the debate about the valuation that a particular company should trade at was about its relative exposure um, to the alternative fuels market. And so, like for instance, you know Allison Transmission, you know they have a very commanding position in medium duty trucks. Uh, for autom- fully automatic transmissions, but you know, sort of the the debate was always, well, are they just going to be a dinosaur if this all goes, you know, electric? And it didn't really matter that they were throwing off you know a huge amount of cash flow. It was trading at a low valuation. It was sort of checked all the boxes, and um, you know, Allison just you know bought back you know tons of tons of shares, returned lots of, of capital to shareholders, you know, because. Um, you know, they they thought their their stock was 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 too cheap. So there there were a lot of discussions like that. You know, during my time uh, following and, and publishing on the equipment, um, you know, manufacturers. Um, but uh, you know, with 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 with, um, with Nikola, it was always, I think um, you know, that, that uh, founder, former CEO Trevor Milton, who you know who was arrested, was always always very much of a, of a showman. And with all the company's partnerships and with a lot of what the company said. On social media and so forth it almost seemed to me like it was a, a fake it until you make it strategy the problem with that is faking it uh, when you're a publicly traded company is illegal and um i think some of that is coming to fruition it's going to be very interesting to see you know what exactly happens i mean when when um you know the the, the big sort of catalyst here was this hindenburg report which is a short uh, seller so they, they basically short the stock betting it'll go down and then they write reports in support of their short thesis, you know, in part to get out the, the, the word so that it actually acts as a catalyst so that stock does go down. Uh, of, of course, there is an incentive when companies do that to, um, you know, make things up and fabricate things or at least embellish things. Um, but uh, in the report, I, that particular short report, I thought was more convincing than a lot of the other short reports that I've seen. I was just talking the other, other day about Oatly on the show um, but the Hindenburg report, and really what sort of stuck stuck out was that it looked like Nikola um, Nicola was booking orders um, that maybe should not have been counted as real orders because it really wasn't a major deposit um, and, and, and things of that nature. And, and actually I think you know Tesla's sort of done kind of the the same thing with with orders that you know, if really had very little deposit or refundable deposits and, and, the, and those things. Um and, but then you know the real you know memorable thing about that report was the the you know using the the truck basically pushing the truck down the hill in order to, to get footage for um for a video and that's something i think that really you know got uh, the government's attention and, and and really spurred some of these you know some of these charges um so um you know this week you know trevor milton charged with two counts of securities fraud one count of wire fraud uh, by the u.s attorney's office in manhattan so those are criminal charges and could result in prison time. I think I read the top one carries a maximum sentence of 25 years. And then the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, filed civil charges uh, for repeatedly disseminating false and misleading information. This is a, a quote typically by s- uh, speaking uh, directly to investors on social media about Nicola's products and technological uh, services, that, uh, so, so basically overstating their uh, you know technological capability um, you know Tr- Trevor Milton's out on, on bond um, and so we'll 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 see what happens um, it was interesting that the government basically took that short report and it was almost like point by point so the short seller not only convinced Wall Street um, uh, you know, to, that the you know, stock deserved much lower valuation than it did but but also seemed to convince the Know, the federal government of, of a lot of those points. Um, so, so so we'll see what happens. I mean, as far as bringing this back around to sort of the core CPG you know audience that it's intended to to serve. You know, does this mean anything for CPG companies or capital markets in general? Um, as far as capital markets in general goes, <clears throat> I think that, you know this has big you know sort of implications. I think we've maybe seen peaks back. And, uh, you know, the, this, this sort of SPAC boom that we've seen the last couple of years, um, you know, maybe um, it's, it's maybe run its course a little bit uh, when you think of some of these companies going public too soon, going public without a viable product, going public without revenue, going public without having the same vetting that it would uh, typically be subject to if you go through the traditional IPO process. Um, I think there's more reason to be skeptical of, of, of those Of of, of those things, Um, I also think that we're going to see companies limit uh, social media use. Um, You know, could be possible that you know executives won't want their executives you know tweeting, or it'll it'll be something that has to go screened through a legal department, which will make for some very boring tweets uh, if there are if there are tweets at all. Um, And then. I think this also encourages more short reports to be written for better or for worse. I know there was nothing more painful than when I was a sell-side analyst and I had a buy rating on a stock and a, a short report goes down and your, your buy recommendation is down 10% and you have investors calling you to want, want to know what you thought of the short report. Um, you know, that was sort of like kind of a, a grenade being thrown on your desk that day, although I could imagine how the, the, the company feels who's the subject of the report. It's it's, it's sure it's far worse. So I think you have those, those implications. And then, um, you know, if I was a CPG company and I actually was uh, planning to, you know, lease one of these pieces of equipment, buy one of these pieces of equipment, get get involved in alternative fuels, this maybe would not be the company that I would, um, you know, you know, get those pieces of equipment from. I might, you know, uh, instead, you know, try to go the route of a more established player um, that uh, is, I think that would be a less risky strategy, you know, to, to use a, an alternative fueled, uh, you know, vehicle that was made by, you know, Daimler or or made by, you know, Navistar or, or, or one of these other um, you know, companies or or, or Peterbilt or or, or Peckar, one one of those companies, I think, would be a less risky strategy. Um, but uh, you know, if I was a CPG company, I would maybe um, think about not keeping my uh, my orders if I had any orders, you know, in in, in place. Just, I mean, just because. You know, it does seem like this is this is a company that's embellished their their um their capabilities. Uh, I think the I thought the short seller uh, Hindenburg made some you know really good points in that in in that uh, report. Thought it was pretty compelling. Seems like the government you know agrees at least you know initially after conducting their own in, investigation. Um, I will say that uh, Nicola has made it very clear that these were charges against the individual Trevor Milton, who is no longer with uh, Nicola. He hadn't hasn't been with Nicola since uh, September. Um, and so, uh, they did the, the, what they could to distance themselves that Nicola and Trevor Milton are two different, um, you know, entities, uh, and, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, are going to try to, proceed with this and, you know, should note that, you know, our journalist, Alan Adler, who knows way more about this than I do, um, w- would encourage you to, to, to talk to him, uh, follow his research and he, and he's been out to see the truck and, um, you know, experienced it. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a real product. I mean, it, it's, you know, I don't think you're going to see any, um, you know, in the field uh, t- today, you know, but um, you know, they have a, at least a prototype one that they're they're planning to to, to sell. So we'll see how this develops. Um, you know, we'll keep you updated on FreightWaves.com, and that's really uh, what I wanted to cover this week. Next week, um, I'll be out of the office, but I'll see you back in two weeks with whatever comes up in the world of CPG. Uh, news. Um, feel free to uh, subscribe to the Stockout newsletter if you haven't already at uh, www.freightwaves.com forward slash the Stockout or any of the other newsletters, shows that we have at uh, Freightwaves. There's um, you know, trying to get uh, something that's up your alley for for pretty much everyone. Um, you know, have a good uh, you know retail show with with Andrew Cox and a good uh, you know medical device show with um, you know Matt Boys among you know many many others. Um but hope everyone you know has a good weekend. Feel free to reach out to me at mboudendistal at freightwaves dot com for any with any feedback and hope everyone has a good weekend and enjoys the Olympics.